Welcome to Strengthen the Numbers. My name is Mitan Patel, analyst, accountant, and aspiring finance leader. And it is my ambition to bring the leaders of business and finance to the table, distilling their careers, experiences, and insights into actions that you can take to your clients, customers, and communities to become their value creator and ultimate trusted advisor. And with that, let's move on to the show. Welcome, everyone. It's a real pleasure to be facilitating this conversation with three titans of finance. Uh, we've got James Perry. Thanks, Matan. Thanks for having me. Uh, we've got Andrew Codd. Thanks, Matan. And we've got Anders Lou Lindbergh. Thanks a lot for having me here. So, guys, I thought to begin, why don't we um, have everyone very quickly and very quickly introduce themselves and then, yeah, just take it from there. Okay, well, I'll briefly introduce myself. I'm James Perry. Um, I live in the north of Ireland, and oh, with my career path, accountancy has always been in my blood. So I've always done uh, done screen accountancy, masters in accountancy, qualified with um, chartered accountant with Grant Thornton. So I worked in accountancy practice, worked financial controller in industry, and my primary business now is accounting exam coach, which is to take our next generation of accountants, take them through the exam process and ultimately to the career and the life that they want to achieve. So that's myself in a nutshell, Matan. Brilliant. Andrew? Yeah, my name's Andrew Codd. I've been working in finance for nearly 20 years now and I'm the founder and producer of the Strength in the Numbers show, which is currently listened to 15,000 times every month across 130 countries in the world. So uh, so not bad for a first year's performance and looking forward to seeing how uh, we grow in the future and all the, the cool conversations we're going to have along the way. Brilliant. Anders? Yeah, th- thanks, Matan, and congratulations uh, with the big achievement there, Andrew. That's really that's really impressive. So my name is Anders Liu Lindbergh. I'm the Senior Finance Business Partner at APML Immersed, which is the world's largest container shipping company, and we do some other logistics as well. I'm also the co-founder of the Business Partnering Institute and a finance blogger with, uh, with 25,000 followers. And my key uh, takeaway is that, you know, accountants need to make a choice. That's why I'm here to help uh, everyone make the key choices for the future. Brilliant, brilliant. So as we, uh, you know, as we focus on skills required to be a fantastic accountant, uh, I wondered if we could start maybe with Anders. Um, did you receive a question, and would you like to open it to the open it to the floor? Yeah. So I think we just need to maybe start by defining what what is an accountant, right? Because it's something that gets thrown around a lot, and there is a lot of stereotypes and what have you. Uh, so at least I wanted to just uh, lay the ground for what I see an accountant is, and then I'm sure that both Andrew and James will have some some views on that. Uh, so from my perspective, the accountant is the person that signs the books and does everything before that to make sure that the books are in order. And of course, that uh, deals also with uh, making sure we collect our money, making sure we pay our vendors on time, and all that uh, all that jazz. Uh, an accountant to me is not someone who is... Uh, uh, analyzing the numbers from a business perspective and then give advice to, to business leaders. To me, that belongs in other uh, departments of the finance function, primarily FP&A. 
right? Because I think accountants, they, they, they need to do something different with themselves in the future because all this producing the numbers, that probably gets, uh, gets automated to a, to a large extent. And frankly speaking, I don't think that's really what excites people either. Uh, but just accountant is someone that signs the book and does everything before that and not after that. That's at least my, uh, my take on it. But uh, I'm sure Andrew and James have uh, some good views there as well. <clears throat> um, where I would comment on that, uh, Anders, is there's always been a debate even before that is bookkeeper versus accountant even in that, in that regard. So, you know, are we saying now that those two job titles are now moving up a notch in, in each instance? So is a bookkeeper now becoming an accountant and an accountant maybe has to transform into something else? And that's maybe where the great work that, that, that we're all doing, and especially with, with the Business Partnering Institute, et cetera, that educational aspect really, really needs to come to the fore. Accountants, I say this all the time, we're not being counters anymore. We have to be something else. And the question is, what is that something else? So very much agree with your point, Anders. So my, my, my retort right back is, okay, what's the next step? Yeah, well, like I... I I was I was going to say, James, and add to that because I'm thinking, you know, like accountants have been around for many thousands of years. I keep saying it, but, you know, earliest evidence back to Babylonian times. So what, that's 4,000 years ago. Um, we've been very good at recording those those data points of financial and non-financial transactions. And if you think about it, most of our economies were fairly agricultural. So when you say bean counters, that, that expression came up because we had um, tax inspectors counting the harvest so so you know they could pay taxes to the king and if you think about it then we had double entry I suppose it wasn't until the industrial revolutions that we started looking at the analysis side I think which Anders was alluding to and then we started the industrial revolutions the machinery labor scientific management all those ratios that we developed and then I, I think that's probably where we started seeing things split off because um, I think when the, the computers arrived, then the terms FP&A and finance business partnering came around and we're still trying to digest them. And I don't know if we're digesting them as accountants or as finance professionals, but let's say our broader profession is still trying to figure our way through. So what is an accountant? I think because expectations have enhanced from the people we've supported and the businesses and the, the economies we've supported, I think those expectations have grown. And have we moved along with them? And is an accountant now, um, I don't know, maybe it's an out of date term, you know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, I'm curious to see what you think, but what is an accountant? You know, it depends who you're, you're talking to and whether or not it's any irrelevant uh, uh, anymore, you know? Sorry, Anderson. I would, I would completely agree in terms of, even do our institutes understand what an accountant is, you know? And I'm coming from, a, from an educational perspective with our next generation and bringing them through the ranks to to the qualifications. I don't know what our, our institutes even think the future of the profession is. So I think it's probably gonna trickle down to them from the people on the ground, or ourselves, people who are on the coal face and, and seeing these problems and, and issues every day. And that's maybe a conversation that's required to fire back to our institutes and go, okay, we're called the curtains, but what actually are we? That's maybe something that's a, that's a great point, Andre, that you, you brought out there. I'm not sure the term is, is outdated. The, the fact is just that there's going to be a lot less of them in the future, right? So it's more about, and as you also said, James, it's about what are those next steps for accountants to take? And then they'll probably be called 
something else, right? But there will still be a need for accountants to interpret uh, financial standards and complex regulations and all those things. So we won't see the accountant going away, uh, but a lot of accountants today will have to do something different in the future because the bookkeeper aspect of it or the producing the numbers, that one will not really exist in the future. Well, I will actually challenge a piece of that uh, and will be this. And there's, um, I still believe, and it's amazing the number of accountants accountants don't know this, your fundamental double entry bookkeeping. It's always been a bugbear of mine. So no matter how much there's going to be automation, you might still need some manual intervention. Intervention. The good old journal will still be alive and well at some stage to, whether it be to correct whatever um, errors or put in whatever estimates into the numbers. It's a bugbear of mine. Our, our institutes and our education system don't teach us the fundamentals. So what I believe is you might need still to have very concrete fundamentals, but then build on that by some of the areas we're now going to develop in this conversation. So it's going to be automated, yes, but you still need maybe the odd element of human intervention there somewhere along the line. So one of the, if, I can, so if I can, um, if I can see the conversation a little bit, I mean, one uh, got quite a lot of questions and one of them, uh, well, a couple of them actually focused on what should um, the accounting students, what should they focus on? Should they focus more on the technical skills because they're young in the year or actually should they focus on the softer skills because those are skills that become more important particularly with automation digitalization i think there's a bit of a debate about actually what an accountant will do in the future so it'd be interesting to know your guys thoughts on actually what where should they start or should they start with the pure technical and then build it up or should they actually try and get really involved in the soft skills because that becomes increasingly important with automation um i would suggest maybe uh, i'm not gonna I mean, i'm gonna set on the fence i'm gonna say both because from a credibility standpoint, you still need to be very, very good in your tactical side. You still need to show your acumen in terms of that. But what I would suggest, Mitan, is the further up you go up through the ranks of an organization, that's whenever the softer skills, um, the EQ, the emotional intelligence piece, has to really kick in. So I'm not going to pick and choose. I'm going to say both. So sorry, students out there. It's going to be a fairly tough road. You have to learn everything. You have to be really up to scratch on, on nearly everything. That's my view in any case. I think uh, to, to some extent, yes, James, I mean, you still need to learn the basic, but I think my starting point would be that every single accountant or accountant to be should ask themselves what, what is it that they enjoy doing, right? Is it uh, talking to people or is it looking into the details of the numbers or the technicalities of the financial regulations, right? Because it's difficult to be a master of both the technical and the soft aspect of, uh, of this. And that's why so many people fail with, uh, with business partnering and all the fancy words, right? Because they think, and I'm great technical, so I can just build the other thing on top. But, but some can, but most can't, unless we are very, very deliberate in our development efforts where we haven't really been very successful so far. So you need to know both, but I, I, I really think that you can probably only master one of them. So you have to make a choice. That's a great distinction, actually. You need to know both. But master one or the or that's a very good way to put it down their script. Yeah, no, I, and I think they're well well nailed and well fleshed out because like this is what I'm seeing. So as you as you know, I've developed a diagnostic tool because I look at I look at fi in finance we have a number of different assets, and then you suppose you've got this sort of technical insights area, which is a you know I think that's pretty much a given, and we're generally good at those. But in terms of the few hundred people that have submitted to diagnostic this value potential pulse. What we found is that around this influence and dimension, 
um, we're probably not as strong as we should be and that's probably holding some of us uh, in terms of delivering an impact and it's not necessarily being about great at everything I completely agree with Anders and and you know what should you be great at what is it you enjoy doing in finance you know find that area and become great at that but you need to know where how strong you are in the other areas because you know as a, as a leader it's all about fitting the bits of the jigsaw together so as a team we deliver for the business and um, like Anders in, in, your, in your new book this is what I really enjoyed how you laid it out there's, there's various different strands of finance there's compliance controllership and advisory and there's loads of opportunity along that spectrum to go out and add and create value I think in finance we're all adding value but some of us create more value than others but we can only go that far if we're getting the compliance the fundamentals right so that's why there'll always be an accountant the fantastic ones, though, are doing that, are masters at that, that discipline, that exercise, and they also know their strengths in the other areas. So they're, they're complementing with business partners or FP&A to bring those insights forward for the business. So the business ends up making better decision and drives better numbers. So, yeah, the, you know, I, I mean, that was just my view on it, but I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are. Could I ask them one question, guys, in terms of, and again, I'm talking about the next generation. So someone who's going very much in, in their initial accounting and finance journey, how then do you get to that point in terms of, yes, so you need to get your qualifications, you need to be strong technically to get to that point. Then once you understand your career, you move forward into the softer aspects that develops you as a leader. But how then do you do that before you get to that stage? Let me throw that question. Uh, maybe in terms of clear vision or clarity, to, have you any top tips on that? To, to, to me, it's always been about go out there and try it. So, of course, different countries have different structures around how the education works and how the work market works, right? But in, in Denmark, as an example, people typically go out as a student and have student jobs that are relevant to, to their education, right? So already there, you try out different things. Personally, I spent 14 months in an HR department because I thought that aspect was quite interesting and I found out uh, that was not for me uh, because people didn't value what HR could bring to the table and I didn't really yeah. like to work with them. Of course, I find that the same thing happens in, uh, in finance, but I took a stance there and tried to, uh, try to then change that perception. But you've got to go out there and try it. Otherwise, there's no way you'll be able to make informed choices. Yes, you can read all the things that we write and you can uh, see these videos here and so forth. It's all great. But you've got to go out there and try it. Otherwise, you cannot form a great opinion about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, well said, Anders. I, I, I'm going to compliment that is as someone who's gone out and I'd like to think I've pretty much tried every type of role I can in finance within my career so far. And I've made bucket loads of mistakes. And I, I found one thing that I'd, I'd adjust in my experience was, yes, go out and try it, learn from it. And, and I love to think now I'm in a place that I really enjoy working in and I can you know create loads of value for the business and those around me. But um, But what I would say is, one of the motivations behind doing the podcast and the strength in the numbers show was to uh, how do you say shortcut that learning curve for people so when when i've been coaching people over the years what i find they struggle with is what does my ideal career look like they've really struggled to answer that question one is probably because they've not tried enough things but two is they've not sought out enough mentors to help them understand what's involved in various aspects of a career what a good career looks like what a bad one looks like where they made mistakes hard won lessons how to deconstruct what works so that everyone can benefit from it and you get enjoy more enjoyment out of it. 
how do you become more influential and get uh, you know involved in solving meaningful problems and and contributing to those decisions in organizations it's really about getting out there and having conversations trying it yes but talking to people you know like with all this automation you know we're at risk of humanity going out the window people will draw meaning from their work the more we're working with more human beings and getting on and connecting with others out there so go and connect with people try it and connect try and connect and uh, I think that way you'll you'll start enjoying what you're doing. It may not you might figure out you're not enjoying it, but if you're connecting along the way, learning opportunities will present that you will find your way to your ideal career. And I think if you found a career you enjoyed, then I think you start becoming more of a fantastic accountant. Yeah, that's an very interesting discussion, guys. Actually, another another question that came up is how important is networking within the within the finance career? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of debate about how important it is obviously to do the job well but then how important networking is in terms of getting you up there again there's opportunities to try different things um be interested to either draw from your experiences or hear your thoughts on actually what the balance between i suppose going out there trying different things but then also i suppose um being able to do the the day job really really well i think what what you get from from networking besides of course laying the groundwork for for getting a future career opportunities is that you get to have uh quality conversations with peers that help you form an opinion about what works and what 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 doesn't work right so it's back to andrew's point right you gotta have conversations with people to figure out what choices should you make? How can you perform well in your, in, in your own job, right? And I get the networking part is quite tricky, especially for accountants. There are, there are ways to deal with that as well, but it's quality conversations that help you develop. Yeah, definitely. Well said, Anders. I, I think um, I, le- I learned to try and take the, make, make it a bit easier on myself by sort of saying it's not networking, it's connecting with people. And uh, if I can listen to people and try and understand where they're coming from first, you know, how can I find an opportunity to connect them with someone else or or add value to them? It, you know, comes back to have someone, so maybe asking them about their challenges. And I suppose, you know, maybe start low risk as a, as an accountant, you know, go and talk to more people in your business. If Or if you go to a, the institutes run a lot of events, um, you know, if you go into those, there's a lot of people probably thinking similar to you. So that's a great way of starting a conversation um, and being being open about it, saying like, I'm not the best at this. You know, and ask someone if they've got any tips of being better. You know, um, I'm just a bit probably more comfortable in my skin, so I can say things like that. But but look at me, I like I'm an introvert. You know, um, but you know, I think I force myself doing things like podcasts and turning up to events by by making those commitments. I force myself to turn up and turning up to go connect with people, and um, you never know what you're going to learn. You 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 know, maybe go out with the objective of I'm looking to learn something new off of someone because we don't know it all. And, you know, that's pretty obvious when you bring the mentors onto the show, like they've so much to offer and fresh ideas, like um, there's so much we can learn from each other. I mean, that's one thing about being part of such a great profession that's been around for so many thousands of years. (laughs) We've all had some great uh, shared experiences across our profession. So let's go out and talk to people and um, figure out what they've learned and, and how it might help us and help others. It's funny how my perception of networking has changed over the years. So whenever I was senior manager at Grant Thornton, whenever someone mentioned networking event to me, I shuddered in horror. Um, my perception of networking there was solely to go win business. It was solely to go to an event with a pocket full of business cards. Um, it wasn't for, so where my perception of networking now has changed fundamentally over the last couple of years, and I completely agree with you gents in this, is to go and find 
primarily like-minded people who will go and help you to develop, who are the right people for you, who are your peers, who are in the right areas of business and person personalities that will drive you forward. Um, it's, this is probably what I call, what I would tell my accountancy students, this is the execution, part of the execution phase. Go and find those people and mentors that will push you forward, someone that you can model yourself on, someone that you can learn those fundamental skills. You go, right, I've got clarity. I want to head forward in that direction. Let's go and find people who will get me to that point. So networking for me, fundamentally, the concepts fundamentally changed much for the better, to be honest. And by the way, it also helps if they got good food as well, I find. <laughs> drinks, drinks. Well said, Anders, yeah. Denmark all over again. Yeah. Brilliant, guys. Brilliant, guys. I'm conscious wait, of... Wait, uh, that's the fundamental point of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm con conscious of um, time, but I think we've covered a lot of really interesting things. Um, I suppose here's another question that actually was quite big interest to me as well, just to me as well. When you're, when you're in work and you're studying for your qualification, time becomes more limited, particularly closer to the exams. And there's, I don't know how many, guy, how many exams you guys did, but I did uh, 15. Um, and it's, uh, it's quite a lot and it's quite intense. So I suppose, uh, Eddie, it would be really good to hear your thoughts on actually um, what, how do students make the time to be able to do all these different things to distinguish themselves because they've got to really focus on the exams. If they don't focus on the exams, they don't pass that, they can't, become that, can't get that child accounting status. You've got to focus on work because if they don't do the work well, they won't get those internal opportunities or the external opportunities which will help them develop their career. So how how do you go about getting that that extra that that additional um, these additional uh, experiences and skills, given that you've got these two other areas to focus on? Oh, that's a, that's a big question you open up here, Mitan. I mean, I think that can be a full conversation for ourselves. I think I think there are two two elements to it, right? There's there's one around how do you manage yourself. And your energy and how to make sure you perform when you need to perform and when you uh, when you need more energy you, you actually relax and, and 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 take some time to reflect right so so energy management uh, and managing yourself to be the best version of yourself that that's critical but i think you know this question of time no one has enough time right there's never enough time to do all the things that we want to do so you have to challenge yourself and say the things you do today how many of them could you actually just stop doing if you stopped sending that report that uh, someone asked for uh, all the time and, and you don't really know what they use it for, what would happen? Maybe 60, 70% of the cases, people would, uh, would not say anything. But you just keep producing, producing, producing because someone made a request initially. And I think anyone could probably cut 20% of their time by stop doing dumb stuff, you can say. And that's a full day of, of a week that you can use studying for the exam and get ready or whatever else that you need that time for. Every one of us can do that. Yeah. Um, you go on ahead, Mr. Cod, because I'm my, uh, yeah, this is my, one of my specialities probably. Yeah. You're, you're talking to a guy who, who probably didn't figure this one out for years. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you're talking to someone who probably, I know it sounds strange because if you do the math on it, I probably was doing 70 hour weeks. Um, you know, finish my exams and then I keep on working those hours and I had a family outside of that. But I suppose what I've come to realize over the years as I've matured is, um, like as Anders said, right, you know, we all have the same amount of time in the day and there's some people out there that look like they've nailed it. And when you when you deconstruct what they're doing, I think the big thing is energy management. Um, they know themselves very well. 
they know when they're strong so some people are stronger uh, going hard at it in the morning and some are hard better going late at night but what i find though is if you can manage to get a fantastic qualification from any of our accounting bodies and then uh, or, or your degrees or a masters you know it's all a lot of effort uh, even mbas it's you know there's a lot of work involved if you can manage that right then when you get that time back i think you have a responsibility to use that productively you made such an investment in your career you know you've got um you know i, I would challenge you to use that constructively either to to you know spend time with family or or career or kids you know you have that time back use it wisely because we've only got one shot on this planet right and we all have the same amount of times you know like uh you know i look to to, to warren buffett i think he had a a fair you know a good statement you know his diaries are fairly empty i know he's one of the richest men in the world and it's probably an unfair comparison but he has the same 24 hours as the rest of us yeah so you know it's up to you and i think it comes back to knowing your ideal career it was only when i figured out what ideal looks for me and i had okay i want to put a good effort into my career i want to have great time with my family my my partner my kids um time for friends time for conversations with other people in finance you can fit it all in you 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 can do it but i think anders hit the nail on the head it's all about managing your own energy and i think it comes back to knowing yourself and uh, you know it comes back to even the start of the conversation we were having if you want to become like a fantastic accountant pick a career that's going to read a part of the accounting or finance that's going to enjoy the most you're going to enjoy the most and then i think you're you'll be able to manage your energy a lot better but if you're struggling to fit it all in you're probably in the wrong job or just doing the wrong things i'm going to touch on both uh, sort of as- or a lot of aspects both you guys have, t- have touched on because this is what i preach time and time again to client after client is you're surprised i'm I'm incredibly surprised whenever i ask someone do you have a study plan in place and i would say no um but then i take it one step further i go okay let's get a life plan in place and then my good old accountancy brain actually kicks in and i go let's put this in a spreadsheet so to have the flexibility to say to someone okay get the days across the top get the times along the side and put this into some sort of plan that is relatively flexible. So, but you have to stick to it. That's the other thing. A lot of people will have the most beautiful plan and the most beautiful spreadsheet in the world, color-coded and whatsoever. I don't care about that. I want this to be functional. So the advice to people would be, get this down on a spreadsheet where you can have some sort of clarity and visualize this where you can meet your friends, you can go to the gym, you can have time for yourself to meditate, you can, be effective in your studies and effective in work comes down to a couple of good principles. Say no more often. <laughs> delegate. <laughs> dele- delegate more often. 80-20 rule. Anders, you were 100% right. The amount of inefficiency in people's study and work practices is you can change that. So there's some really basic principles that I boil that down to, to my student clients and tell them to, to carry it into work as well because this actually is manageable. You know, it's whenever us accountants, or whatever you want to call us now, we're built on logic. And whenever, especially through the exam process, people's logic goes out the window whenever emotions come in. So use these tools, use these basic principles that have been tried and tested to manage your emotions. It's another aspect, I think, of someone becoming a leader and developing those softer skills is to manage those emotions. Um, And it's certainly something that, 
that they should be should be looking at. But again, Andrew, touching on your point, focusing on your end game, whatever success means to you, is also vitally important. So it's getting a look at all those aspects. I think it is very manageable, Mitan, but it's whenever emotions come in and you can't see the wood for the trees. That's whenever the problems start. But be logical, be rational, and get back to basics. Would be my would be my sort of advice on that. Fantastic. Well, look, guys, that's been incredible. Lots of lots of good stuff packed in a uh, uh, relatively short space of time. So thanks for everyone joining. Thanks for this opportunity to facilitate this. And um, I suppose before, just one thing before we go, um, but very quickly, does anyone have any last thoughts or anything they want to mention? I think we are at the breaking point where accountants need to make a choice about what they want to do for themselves in the future. Yes, this has been around for thousands and thousands of years, and it's probably changed uh, quite a few times, and now it's changing again, right? But you got to make a choice. You cannot stand still, because then you will be, you can say, disrupted. and You will find yourself out of a job and out of a career. So be proactive and get ahead of things and make your choices now. If you want any help making those choices, I'm sure both Andrew, James, and myself are very eager to uh, to offer advice on that part. Yeah. But make a choice about what kind of accountant or finance professional you want to be for the future, and then pursue that hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, well said, Anders. And I, I, I think if people feel like they've got a choice, and we do, you know, I think we can then get a bit more certainty and control around our career, which is sort of taking a bit of our own advice that we give to the business, maybe take some of that advice for ourselves. And look, that's that's all you know. we've tried to do with the Strength in the Numbers podcast is give people some other perspectives from mentors who've been there, done that, that have survived you know their careers so far, but it'd be 10, 15, 20, 25. We have people with over 30 years career experience and are still loving their careers in accounting and finance. And that, I think, gives us a benchmark. Okay, well, how are they doing it? How, what, what are they getting enjoyment from? Because when we start out early in our careers, we pray, probably don't know all the answers um, and they will help and guide us. Those conversations will help and guide us. So if you are frightened about getting out there and connecting with people, maybe take some low risk approach and listen into the podcast and they get the confidence. Say, oh, I heard so-and-so and this is what they were doing. What do you think about that? You know, then you can start fostering conversations in your own teams or if you do go to any events where there's other accountants or professionals. So, you know, you do have choices out there. Um, but I, all I would encourage is, look, we work in a great profession. We can really make a great difference in society. We've been doing it for thousands of years. There's no reason why we can't keep going on doing it. But we have choices. And I really do hope that people, you know, find use or value this conversation and go on to have uh, better careers for it as well. I'm not going to repeat what the guys have just said. I'm going to sum it up very, very, very succinctly. I'm going to use good old Arnold Schwarzenegger for this. And it is this. You can't climb the ladder of success with your hands in your pockets. So go and look at those goals. Go and get the advice from the relevant people and work hard and achieve. That's my fundamental principle to anything in life. Um, success is very different to different people. But, you know, do it. That, that encompasses everything, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to do a shameless plug as well, Mr. Cod. I've got the Accounting Exam Coach podcast has just launched this week. So um, there'll be some good advice in that as well. Nice one, James. Best of luck with it. Cheers. Thank you. Brilliant, guys. Well, look, again, thanks so much for your participation, um, your advice. I think um, our listeners will have a lot to, to learn from you. So thanks very much and have a good, good Christmas and New Year.
So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.